0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Crime, Tea and Me. I'm your host Lottie, a true crime lover and full-time tea drinker. And now I finally have a little place online where I get to talk about it, so yay! I am going to be looking into murders, gangs, cults and so much more. So if you're bonkers about Bonnie and Clyde, or you're mad about Manson... And go grab a copper, and let's get started. Today's episode, we are going to be looking into something we haven't really spoken about before, and that is cults. So when I think of cults, the picture that I have in my head is the one of Leslie Van Houten, Susan Atkins, and Patricia Krenwinkel from the Manson family. And they're walking down this corridor, going to a courtroom. They have this really weird look of just utter devotion to Manson in their eyes. And they also have this really weird, creepy smile. And that smile sort of carries on with other cults. So then the other cult that I think of is the End of the World cult. And that was run by Wayne Bent. And again, this picture that I get in my head is of him sat down with his wives. Yes, yes, wives are plural. And they again have this just utter devotion in their eyes looking at him. And this really weird, creepy smile. Yeah, if you haven't seen them or you're not sure what I'm going on about, I will put the pictures up on Instagram. So head on over there. That's Crime T and Me. You can take a look at the pictures and yeah, let me know what you think. Because to me, it's really creepy. But in general, I suppose cults are never really referred to as cults by the people that are in them. They see them as kind of like safe places where they can be themselves where other people believe the same as them and today the cult that we're gonna look at has so many weird things from devotion to aliens and even castration i don't know maybe some of you men want to skip past this (laughs) but for now go grab yourself a cuppa and if you're like me get some biscuits because i've got some and let's get started looking into heaven's gate begin with I want to look into the leaders of this group and they are Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite. Bonnie Truesdale as she was back then was born on the 29th of August in 1927 in Houston Texas and her family were part of the Baptist religion. At 22 years old she met and got married to a man called Joseph Nettles. And their life was pretty normal. They had four children. Bonnie became a registered nurse. It just seemed like it was a nice, normal household. But something changed for Bonnie in 1972. And she started to want to conduct séances. I'm sure most of you will know. But for those of you that don't, séances are when spiritual mediums try and communicate with dead spirits. So Bonnie would hold these seances and she believed that she was in contact with a 19th century monk who was called Brother Francis. She also, around this time, started to visit fortune tellers and they told her that she was going to meet a man who had light skin, was very tall and had quite fair hair. I wonder who that could be. Well, on that note, let's talk about... (laughs) Let's look into our second leader and his name is Marshall Applewhite and he was born on the 17th of May 1931 in Spur, Texas. He was raised Presbyterian and his father was actually a minister. So religion played a huge part in his life. He studied and he got his bachelor's degree in philosophy in 1952 from Austin College and then went on to enrol in Union Presbyterian Seminary, I think that's how you say it, and here he started to study theology and he actually wanted to become a minister just like his dad. While he was studying he met a woman called Anne and they got married, they had two children and in Marshall's spare time he, he loved singing, he loved music, that was one of his passions and so he decided to leave his study, and he became a musical director in a church in North Carolina. In 1954, when I think he was about 23 years old, Marshall was actually drafted into the army. He ended up leaving in 1956, and because he still had that really strong passion for his music he decided to study at the university of colorado and he ended up getting a degree in music he did go through a few different jobs but he finally after you know getting his degree found a job in teaching at the university of alabama and this would be a place that would change marshall a lot because it was here that he discovered that he was in in fact in love with men and he actually started to have a sexual relationship with one of his male students the university found out and marshall lost his job till now his whole life had been based around religion and you know the teaching of the church of a man meets a woman they get married they have children and that is it. No other relationship is acceptable. And I can tell you, I completely understand that. I was brought up Catholic and it was very much taught that you grow up, you marry, you know, this is as my opinion as a girl. I was always taught I would to grow up, marry a man, have lots of babies and, and go to church and that is my life. I mean, yes, yeah, I am married to a man now, but I am bisexual and I have actually had more relationships with women, with women than I have with men. So, you know, I completely understand coming out when you have such a major religious upbringing and how hard that can be. So, from that side of things, I get it. I get how frustrated and upset he was. So, obviously, because of everything that had happened with him losing his job and, you know, finding out his. True sexuality, him and his wife obviously separated. And then they finally got divorced in 1968. He went on and he was able to accept himself as gay. But when he finally came out to his parents, his dad basically disowned him completely. Now, it's a bit weird, I'm not going to lie. Because despite him being fired for having a relationship with his student. Marshall managed to get another teaching job. I mean, how? I don't know. Maybe it's because it was like the 60s and things weren't really checked out. I don't know. But he did. And this was at the University of St. Thomas in Houston. He was really popular with his students. Everyone loved him. His personality, his looks, his style, everything. He was, he was just really popular. And again, he got into his performing. He joined a local choir. And here in Houston, he could be an openly gay man. But he actually did end up having a relationship with a woman, but unfortunately, her family found out about what had happened, and they pressured her into ending the relationship, so she left him and this devastated Marshall he became extremely depressed. he left his teaching job and he he basically went off traveling so some sources for this I, you know I just want to be open with you and honest some sources that I have found say that the reason that Marshall was so depressed was not because his relationship with this woman ended. It was because yet again, he had had another sexual relationship with one of his male students. And again, the university had found out. So yeah, I wanted to tell you both sides. It's, it's one or the other, but obviously either way, a relationship made him extremely depressed and he decided that he was going to go off and enjoy himself. (laughs) Bonnie and Marshall would meet in 1972 and from my research there are actually quite a few different stories as to how they met so I just wanted to briefly go over those. The first was that they met because of their joint passion for astrology, another was that Marshall had been visiting a friend in hospital and Bonnie was their nurse and the other story that I found was that Bonnie's daughter said that she was working in a theatre with Marshall and he had been teaching a children's drama group And one of the children had been hurt and he basically took them to hospital and Bonnie was the nurse that looked after them. But whatever story is true, Bonnie and Marshall met. Now, Bonnie did have a very big passion for astrology and she ended up doing an astrology reading for Marshall. And in this reading, she said that they were extremely spiritually connected. And from that moment, they became inseparable so much so that by new year's day 1973 they ended up running away together so bonnie left her job her husband her children and ran away with this man who she had this connection with (laughs) during the first year bonnie and marshall focused a lot on reading religious passages they started studying saints They read the New Testament and Marsha was also reading a lot of science fiction books. They began to have their own belief system and I kind of want to explain it in a way that makes sense in my head so hopefully that makes sense in yours but it's it's kind of like if you got the Christian Bible and you mixed it with the sci-fi channel and you kind of get the gist of it. They wrote that Jesus was going to be reincarnated as a Texan. And they also said that they were the people that are referred to in the book of Revelations as the two who are meant to be the witnesses of the second coming of Jesus. And this belief was so strong for them that Bonnie and Marshall ended up going on tours to different churches around the area to talk to people about the fact that they were the two and they wanted to tell them what was going to happen that, you know the second coming was you know, around the corner and I can just kind of see this going down like a lead balloon with people who are from Texas and go to church they're not going to believe you at all in 1974 Marshall was arrested because he'd stolen a rental car he ended up going to prison for six months and when he got out of prison in 1964 I think it was he was finally reunited with Bonnie and they began their mission again to try and show people their way of thinking, pretty much. They wanted to show people, you know, this is the right way. This is, this is the future. This is, yeah, this is our religion and you should join us. And Yeah, things like that, basically. And they started talking to a writer called Hayden Hewers. I've probably totally butchered his surname, so I apologise. But they basically wanted to explain to people that like Jesus who, you know, died and ascended to heaven, people could also go through a metamorphosis and become a higher being. By the following year, so we're talking like 1965 now, Marshall and Bonnie were no longer using their names. So this is genuinely when I started to read and go, what? Um, what, what? So please bear with me. And if it doesn't make sense. Just rewind about 15 seconds and, and yeah, try and listen again because I, yeah, it did take me a while to get my head around it. So they decided that instead of using Marshall and Bonnie, their names, Marshall was now going to go by the name Doe, and Bonnie was now T and they started traveling around spreading their message that they had now pretty much evolved even more. So just to make it even more confusing, I'm now going to refer to them as Doe and T just because I think it's, you know, it's right because that's the name that we want to use. But I also want to see how long I can say Doe and T for before I end up laughing. So here we go. (laughs) Doe and T. So this message that they had now evolved even more into was that Doe and T were representatives from another planet. They were looking for people on Earth To form a group that they called The Crew. Why am I getting cray? Feelings again. The Firm. The Crew. These are just, oh, they're just so original. Anyway, so they wanted to help people to evolve to the next level. And were looking for volunteers for this to happen. Followers did come. And they were pretty much the generation of people who had been part of many different religions. And I use the term religions very loosely pretty much they were made up of people who were hippies or ex-veterans and needed a place that they felt like they belonged I also just remembered I totally did not tell you why they called themselves Doe and T so they had gone through many different names before they arrived at Doe and T and the reason that they have those names is because of the sound of music um, Doe, a deer, a female deer, ray a drop of golden sun. Yeah, so yeah, it's that and the reference basically comes from the fact that Marshall loved music so much. So yeah, I just thought I'd pop that in here. <laughs> um in nineteen seventy-five, in the September, Doe and T were in a motel in Oregon and they had been preaching to people about the next level. Which is obviously this metamorphosis that they wanted people to join in with. Around 20 people from this meeting then went home, said goodbye to their families, sold their possessions and joined Doe and Tea. And this led a lot of those families to go to the newspapers and TV channels and let them know basically what was happening and ask for help. Because they wanted to find their family members, they didn't know what had happened but what had happened to them? Well, Doe and T, sorry, I had to, I had to, I'm just, that's the only time I'm going to do it, promise. Anyway, Doe and T had actually taken them under their wing and they had grown their group to around about 70 people now. Doe and T had their followers sleeping in tents in what they liked to call good energy states like California and Arizona. It seemed to me like they liked the desert or wooded areas, things like that where they could pretty much be isolated. And the group went through many different names and eventually they settled on Heaven's Gate. But at this time, they were known to people as Human Individual Metamorphosis or HIM, for sure members who eventually went on to leave the group have spoken about how they were very isolated from normal life and that doe and T always seemed to be in a bit of a rush to make sure that everyone was ready to move to the next level at any t- at any point doe started to believe that he was related to jesus which kind of goes against how the group was started because originally they were meant to be the two. So if they're the two, how can you be the two witnessing the the, the rebirth of Jesus Christ? It doesn't make sense. Come on, Doe, what are you doing? Doe also started to be a lot more controlling over the group. He would ban the use of drugs and he also banned any sexual behavior as i said before basically a lot of people disappeared and one of the men who disappeared had a mum called nancy brown and her son was david moore and he was involved in the group and she decided to start a newsletter for all the other families to basically just keep them up with any information that she had on the group a member of the crew or him should i say had gone to see their family and they saw this newsletter, they stashed it away, and they took it back to Doe and T. and Doe said that Nancy was a force of evil, who was from the lower levels, and that she was trying to stop people from ascending to the higher level. I can't, I genuinely, I can't, I can't, it's it's crazy it's genuinely crazy now I have watched a lot of shows and I've read a lot of books about cults because I'm weird and it interests me because I kind of just want to get into that mentality of how can someone believe someone so much that they're willing to give up everything for them and to me this force of evil from the lower levels it it genuinely rang bells in my head for another religion, let's just say. And this religion has certain words that they use for people that don't basically believe what they believe and then try and talk to their members about it. And that's basically called a suppressive person and you're classed as a suppressive person, if you impede, this is actually taken from them, it is if you impede the progress of the individuals of the Scientology religion. <clears throat> I use that term loosely, I just want to say. Now, to me, the Scientology religion sounds very similar, or at least on the same levels as dough and tea. So I think Doe and T probably did look at L. Ron Hubbard's religion for kind of inspiration maybe, but I don't know, that's just my thoughts anyway. Getting back to Nancy, she did eventually receive a call from her son David. Doe and T had realised that if any of the families were reading this newsletter then it would be possible for them to come and find them and to basically take their relatives away from them. And they didn't want this to happen. So David called his mum and asked her to print in the newsletter that if families promised not to kidnap the members, that he would promise that these families would hear from the members. Now, to me, that is messed up. If you have to ask someone's family not to kidnap them because of their religious beliefs, I think you need to start looking at your religious beliefs. Like, I'm not the only nutter that thinks that, right? Yeah, it's... That is not logical. It can't be. Like, oh, they're going to kidnap these people away from us. One, they probably will try and stop them from coming back. Because at the moment, you're talking about going to a higher level and... I, I think you are on another level, mate. Seriously. But, yeah, if you if you have to try and say, promise you won't kidnap them, there's got to be a reason why they would kidnap you. So by the 80s, the group had finally chosen the name Heaven's Gate, but things had started to go a bit wrong for them. Now, Bonnie's daughter, Terry, would receive regular letters from her mum. And the letters that she started receiving in the 80s were starting to contradict any letters that she'd had previously and terry started to think that maybe her mum's beliefs weren't as they once were she started asking her daughter to follow the rules of society but previously she'd been telling her the complete opposite thing Doe and T had spent their time together expressing to their followers that they were these higher beings and that they couldn't die in this world, that they would be sent to a higher level and this higher level would take the form of a spaceship. But in 1984, T was diagnosed with brain cancer Both her and Doe didn't really pay attention to this diagnosis. They were of the belief that she couldn't die. So why should they listen to these doctors? You know, as far as their religion's concerned, they can't die. These medical professions, no, they're just making it up. But unfortunately, on the 19th of June, 1985, in Parkland Memorial Hospital in Dallas, Bonnie passed away. While she was in the hospital she was actually using a pseudonym of Shelley West and after she passed Doe didn't tell her family what had happened and he didn't even tell their followers at first. The thing that gets me about this so much is that Bonnie's family were only a few miles away so her children could have been at her bedside to say their goodbyes to their mum and Doe did nothing about it. He didn't tell them at, at all. He even went as far as having her ashes, well, she was cremated, and he had her ashes spread over a lake in Texas. And he still hadn't told her family. It's, yeah, it's bad. Doe started to change their teachings after this. Now, I think he, he went majorly downhill after Bonnie died. What I do want to point out is Bonnie and Marshall never had a sexual relationship. It was never that kind of a relationship. It was always companionship, friendship, and a spiritual connection. It was nothing more. But I kind of attribute it to losing your best friend, your partner in crime, your everything. And yeah, it just... Oh, it drew him mad basically. So, the teachings that he ended up changing were to say that you didn't have to ascend to this higher level in a body and that this could be done by suicide. He explained to the group that T's body was simply a vessel and that she had reached the highest level that she could on earth and she had ascended before anyone else because her body was broken this vessel that she had was broken but not to worry because obviously she's she's ascended she's fine after T's death Doe became even more strict with the members of the group they had a house that the members would live in and they would have restrictions on their food if they went out in the world they weren't really permitted to talk to anyone Doe even began to question the devotion of the group Previously, he had distanced himself from the men of the group to try and stop his sexual urges because obviously he was sexually attracted to men. But now he was asking those men to make a sacrifice for him and he started to ask the male members of the group, I don't know why I'm laughing, I'm really sorry, it's not funny. So he started to ask the male members of this group if they would take away their human need for sexual pleasure and would they, along with him, take part in a chemical castration? Now, I I really don't want to go into what chemical castration is. If you want to know, look it up. But I'd say delete your history after you look it up because you don't really want people knowing what you're looking at. Anyway, um, six of the men in the group took him up on this You know, way of showing their devotion to him. And Doe and these men travelled to Mexico City, and that's where they had this procedure done. The 90s kind of gave Doe a tool that he had not had before, and that was the internet. He was able to spread his message online to people about the higher level and to make them aware of his religion. This led to a second wave of people wanting to become part of their church. They raised money, they took out full-size adverts in magazines, which again made more and more people aware of Heaven's Gate. And the website, I'm not going to lie, is actually still up online now. You can go on. And I am not going to lie, it is the most 80s thing I have ever seen in my life. And I have watched is it Tron, but this is just the epitome of 80s, so it is literally heavensgate.com. Go on, have a look, and enjoy. That's all I'm saying. In 1997, Doe started to see more and more signs, or at least what he classed as being signs, that they were getting closer to the time when this spaceship would come and be able to take these people to ascend to the higher level first the sky in california changed color it changed to red as did the moon in doe's mind this was the first sign in real life it was actually a reaction from smoke from some forest fires so don't believe everything you see kids (laughs) the second and biggest sign for doe was the hail bop comet doe was utterly convinced that in the tail of this comet so that no one could see it was the ship that was going to take them now what i will say for heaven's gate is that they were very good at recording themselves so obviously the 90s gave birth to a lot of new technology now i'm not on about today with like iphones and things like that i'm on about like video recorders and they were the height of fashion and heaven's gate managed to get a video camera and they would record home movies and yeah they they, you know they were able to put their message out there so what they started to do was they would record messages to people and the reason I think this is such a good idea is because it shows the progression of what happened in the group it isn't just guesswork like we can actually see it happening so with other cults you can't really see what happens behind closed doors you can speculate you can guess but you can't see it for your for yourself whereas with these videos you can and they all of the video well not i don't know if it's all of them but there are a very large chunk of these videos on youtube so if you get the chance literally just type into youtube heavens gate home movies and you can watch them for yourself i i would encourage you to do it because they are really interesting but yeah that obviously that's my opinion but I just I yeah if, if you're listening to this podcast obviously it's going to be interesting to you so yeah go go on YouTube have a look and yeah you'll you'll see what I mean in one of these videos though Doe talks about returning to distant space or as some would call it another dimension those are actually his words and that they will be returning to this place in just a few days. In March 1997, Doe spoke to 38 members of Heaven's Gate and he convinced them to take part in a group suicide. And this was so that their souls would ascend, board the spaceship that is behind the hale comet and they'd be taken to this higher level. Over the next few days the members both male and female shaved their heads into a buzz cut so almost like you know someone going into the army. Then they recorded videos of themselves saying goodbye to their families. They spoke about how great and fulfilled they were and how grateful they were to Doe and T for showing them the way and that they were happy to do what they were going to do. On the 26th of March, police discovered the bodies of 39 people. They were all dressed in black t-shirts, jogging bottoms, white and black Nike decades that were brand new, and they all had an armband on that read, Heaven's Gate Away Team. In their pockets, each person had a $5 bill and three quarters, And what had happened was that in groups of three, each member of the group would take a mixture of phenobarbital mixed with applesauce and they would then put the plastic bag over their head. Then the next group of three people, once they had died, this this next group would come in, they would remove the plastic bag And lay each person in the same position on their back with a piece of purple cloth over their face. Doe was the third to last person to die. And the two remaining members of the team who had died after Doe were found with plastic bags still on their head and no purple cloth on their face. Clearly because there was no one there to do that part of the ceremony for them. One of the members who died was Thomas Nichols, who was the brother of Nichelle Nichols, who played, is it Uhara from Star Trek? And another member that passed away was David Moore, Nancy, who had written all of those letters. It was her son. A few weeks later, two other members of Heaven's Gate. Chuck Humphrey and Wayne Cook tried to take their lives in a hotel room but the police found out they got to them in time. Chuck was able to be saved but unfortunately Wayne sadly passed away. Now there are still people today that believe in what Doe and T taught them. Two of them are said to still be running that website that I told you about. I understand a lot of what I have said today is laughable, because trust me, I laughed while I was researching it. But there are people out there that this will make sense to, that will believe wholeheartedly that aliens are going to take them away to a higher level, or that someone is going to be the second coming of Christ, or that someone is a prophet, religious extremism is sadly a part of our lives now and we see it all the time all across the world and it can affect so many people in so many different ways thank you so much for listening to today's episode i'm really really grateful to have you here if you want to hear more from me then head over to my facebook or instagram pages they are both called crime tea and me I would also really, really, really appreciate it if you could give this show a little like and follow and maybe if you get a chance, give it a little bit of a review. It really helps to grow our little crying family. Our next episode will be with you next Thursday. So till then, go and get yourself a cuppa to recover and I will see you next time. Bye.